ghoulish Halloween, my amazingly beautiful ghouls. What a spectacular day it is. <laughs> now, last year, I had so much fun listening to people's spine-tingling tales, and I knew I was going to do the same thing this year, and I'm going to do it next year as well. I have a few generous blood donors who were amazing enough to share some spooky stories for this special Halloween bonus episode. We are about to embark on an eerie journey that will take us through haunting murderous history, spooky locations, and scary personal encounters. Ghouls, I don't want to spook you, but it's about to get real hair-raising up in here. first wraith you will hear from is my friend Joanne Austin. She's a senior editor for Weird New Jersey Magazine. This gal is so awesome. She has the amazing job of reporting on the weird, bizarre, and unknown subjects. Like, I don't know, that's pretty certified badass if you ask me. Just saying. We had a blast talking all things paranormal, and she was on the podcast last year. And bless her heart, she was super, super sick, but she was such an amazing sport where a lot of people might have said, hey, we got to not do this right now. We could do it another time. But not my friend, Joanne. Joanne, the floor is yours. Hey, this is Joanne Austin, senior editor at Weird New Jersey Magazine, and this is my scary-ish story for Halloween. It's called... Welcome to the dollhouse. Dolls really freak some people out, and I'm one of those people. They're such cold-skinned, lifeless little things. The worst have beady little eyes that blink, unseeing when you tip them up and down, back and forth. This is why I've never understood people who collect dolls. Do they really enjoy having all those lifeless little eyes staring at them all of the time? I guess some people do, and some people like to share that experience. Salem Street in Dover, New Jersey connects the downtown area with Route 10. A lot of commuters use it as a convenient shortcut. A community of small homes neatly lines the street. Although one of these homes looks normal today, this was not always the case. Once, it was the dollhouse of Salem Street. I first saw this house when I was a kid riding shotgun with my mom on the way to Kmart. The entire front porch was covered with the kind of dolls that you win at carnivals with beady, blinking eyes, tacky dresses, and a plastic sheet covering their faces. Somebody had nailed, stapled, or bolted them right onto the siding so they could sit and silently watch the street with their dead little stares. The dolls were never brought in, so over the years they slowly deteriorated from exposure to extremes of heat, cold, rain, and snow. This just added to the overall effect. Decrepit-looking dolls stuck to the side of a house are a whole lot creepier than new dolls stuck to the side of a house. I was afraid that if I looked into the eyes of those dolls, I'd see the captured souls of lost UPS drivers and meter readers softly howling, Join us! Join us on the wall! Then I'd feel a blow to the back of my head, and I'd wake up nailed to the wall, too, dressed in poofy taffeta, and left to stare with lifeless eyes at the cars going by on Salem Street as the rain poured down on me. Or maybe I was just afraid of getting yelled at for trespassing. One day, a few years back, I drove by and noticed that the dolls were gone. The dollhouse of Salem Street now looks like every other house in the community. I wonder how many commuters passed the dollhouse unaware of its existence. 
Maybe they felt that they were being watched, not knowing that it was by hundreds of little plastic eyes. It's too late for picture proof, but I'm sure somebody else can back me up on this story. So, very creepy. (laughs) And, you know, sounds like a really creepy place for sure. And like she said, now it just looks like your average, typical, everyday house. Now, the old fear of dolls. A lot of people have that. Like Joanne, she said she's not a huge fan of them. Yeah, it's just kind of like spirits. It's like a vessel for them. It's kind of like, okay, here's this like human size, you know, human shape little form I'm going to go in and maybe possess. Now, speaking of dolls, one of my new friends that I made in Tombstone just recently showed me some very remarkable evidence, a video of a mannequin that this particular establishment has. And in the video, it's showing her and all of a sudden her face moves, looking at the camera and then moves right back as if nothing in just a split second. It gave me chills when I watched it. And I'm not going to say the location of the place or the person because I would love for him to be on to actually share more about this location. Throughout the years, we've heard of so many haunted and dare I say cursed dolls such as Robert the Doll and Annabelle and just so many others. One that I just recently heard of is a doll named Joliet. It's believed that this doll cursed one unfortunate family for at least four generations. The women who would become pregnant in this particular family would always carry twins to full term, mind you, always a boy and a girl, and the boy would always die just a couple days after being born. The curse was ignited when the doll was given to one of the women by a vengeful bitch who was supposed to be a friend. Today, it's believed that this doll, Joliet, is a vessel for the babies, the sweet, sweet baby boys who never lived to see a week. Baby sounds and screams and cries can be heard from the doll at times, especially at night. Thank you, Joanne, for sharing your creepy location that doesn't exist anymore. So very neat to hear all about that. Next up is my ghoulish friend, Kevin Paul, who's an international psychic, medium, educator, writer, speaker, and trusted source for private readings. Like Joanne, Kevin has been on the podcast as well. I think actually almost every single person you're going to hear from has been on or will be on for full episodes in the future. So pretty fun stuff. But anyways, here's Kevin Paul's experience. Hi, I'm Kevin Paul, an international psychic and medium, educator, host of my YouTube shows, writer and speaker on all things paranormal. And when I'm not doing psychic or mediumship readings or investigating the paranormal in many different ways, I'm a massage therapist. And I have a fascinating story that I want to share with you. Recently, while I was massaging a client, I noticed an interesting tattoo on his back. It had feathers and animal eyes peering through them, so I asked him about it. He told me that they were the eyes of a wolf. So I asked him if that was his spirit animal, which he told me it was. He also told me that he was half African American and half Native American. So we talked a little bit about his spiritual side, his interest in the paranormal, his
his actual shamanism work and his spiritualism associated with that. So we all really connected on a spiritual level, talking about our spiritual journeys and the love of all things paranormal. So that was nice. It was a nice connection. And while I was massaging him then, within a minute or so, I was aware of two women spirits. And I asked him if he was interested in me connecting with them. And he said, sure. So I said, I've got two women here. One is a social, chatty woman. She's very extrovert. She likes to go to parties. And I got a sense that she was the African-American woman. And then on the other side, I sense I felt a strong, proud, quiet woman, more of an introvert, not one to be very chatty. But when she spoke, you would listen. So I told him, I explained the little personalities of both of them. And that's what I do as a medium. You get to bring in some personality, get some confirmation of who they are. And he laughed and he said, oh, yes, those are my two favorite women. Both of them are my grandmothers. So that was great. And it made me feel good because I got confirmation that I connected with some actual spirits, gave some evidence. Wonderful. Everybody's happy. Continue with the massage. And I said, well, they're definitely here. Definitely aware of them. They're with you. So that's perfect because I know they're always with me. So had a laugh there. And I continued on with the massage. And probably 20 or 30 minutes later, I'm massaging his arm. And then I heard music is important in my ear. And I thought, hmm, that's kind of generic. I'm just going to ignore that. I don't think I want to start giving messages right now. So I continued to massage, and within five seconds, I heard music is important. If I don't give this message, then I'm going to be hounded for the rest of the massage by the spirit. So I leaned over to him. I said, I've also got a message that just came through for you. It says, music is important. Does that mean anything to you? And he laughed. And he said, yes, music is very important. I actually receive my uh, interest and ability in the music field from my grandmother, a singer, songwriter, or just maybe a songwriter. Music was really important. So it was her way of letting me know that music was really important to him. And it came from her, so I thought it was cute. A nice little message. So I thought to myself, okay, now I've got two live spirits here, so to speak. See if I can have So I was thinking to myself in my mind, asking them, okay, ladies, now that I've got you, I'm aware of you. See if you can do something in this room. Make something move. See if you can manipulate something in this room. Doesn't have to be very big. There's a tissue over there in the corner. You know, maybe do something with that. And I kind of laughed at myself. I thought, well, that's a little ridiculous. Spirit world typically cannot interact with our world. They're coming from a different vibration. It's kind of an unreasonable request, but I still made it. So I just want to know that you're here. Even though I know you're here, I've communicated with you. But I just want to see if you can interact with the environment. So I'm continuing to massage. Didn't see anything move. Tissues didn't move. Nothing. But I was still thinking about and asking, you know, 
give it a try. Anything, I won't be afraid. And while I was massaging the feet, I was still obsessed with them. I said, okay, you can do whatever you want. Interact with our world with whichever way you want. You don't have to make anything up. Just do whatever works for you. I just want to know that you're here. And as I finished massaging the feet, I'm sitting on a little chair. I stood up, and my phone is charging on the charger off to the side. And you know when a message pops up or a telephone call, you can see it light up. Mine was on Do Not Disturb. So this time when I stood up, my phone popped up with a message. Like, oh, somebody just texted me. I thought, okay. And I just happened to look at it, and it was just one word. I looked at it, and it said, here. And I was like, first of all, I was like, here. Interesting. And then I panicked because I thought, oh, crap. It's a client that's here maybe 30 minutes too soon and is getting ready to ring the doorbell, for example. So I panicked thinking, oh, God, I had double booked. So I quietly opened the phone up to look at the message. I said, okay, who is this person? I'm going to have to tell him, give me 30 more minutes. Sorry, I double booked. And as I was looking at the message, I said, okay, who is this? And I scrolled up and saw the name. I thought, oh, it's the person on the table. His phone is over there. It's on airplane mode because an hour and a half before, he said he's going to be putting it on airplane mode so it doesn't disturb him. So I thought, oh, interesting. Well played, ladies. I got the message here. Just one word after he's been on the table for an hour and a half. So I thought, wow. But let me figure out how all this happened. So I asked him, did you text the word here before you arrived? He said, yeah, I did. I said, that was like an hour and a half ago, right? He said, yes. I said, I just got that message. And interesting how it was delayed. I'm going to say the spirits somehow manipulated the text to pop up to say here, because I have been asking and asking and asking. I just want to know that you're here. I just want to know that you're here. And then we get one word here. So somehow Spirit was able to delay that message. I've never received a delayed message that long. And it popped up as soon as I turned and looked at the phone. So I think it's fascinating the way spirits can can interact with our with our world. I was fascinated. I was pleased. I had been asking and asking. And lo and behold, the little word popped up here. So I had a wonderful time with these two spirits, able to connect with them, provide my client a little message and confirmation that they're there. And it was a wonderful, wonderful story, but it scared the hell out of me in a moment or two. So that's what I wanted to share with you. Happy Halloween. So what a phenomenal encounter, right? I mean, Kevin's bond with the spirit is so incredibly strong. In fact, when he was on the podcast, I believe it was last year around the holiday time, after listening to it after the fact, I heard several EVPs popping up. And that happens a lot during some of these episodes. But this one was just like almost nonstop. So that like very interesting stuff for sure. And he's a phenomenal medium. So anybody who's interested 
and doing like a session, he is the person to go to. I'm so lucky to have so many phenomenal friends. Many of them are mediums and they've talked to me about past things and it just blows my mind. So yeah, Kevin Paul, go online, check him out. So thank you, Kevin, for sharing your experience and quite the experience that is, like you said, 90 minutes after the fact you got that text. So pretty phenomenal. Here. <laughs> Next up is the vampiric beauty that is Kim Libby. Not only will you hear from Kim, but later on her husband David as well. They are incredibly sweet people and insanely talented artists. From time to time, they'll post a beautiful painting, and it's so detailed that I think it's an actual picture. Meanwhile, when I draw, it looks like a toddler did it. <laughs> so here is Kim's encounter. The invasion of the wee folks, or munchkins as we call them, on Elm Street. As some of you know, our haunting here on Elm Street we have endured entity of all kinds. We've seen full apparitions, picked up EVPs and poltergeist activity. But one of the hardest things for me to wrap my head around was the wee folk that most call fairies. They were first encountered by my husband after we were married. We saw the little people on his nightstand one night as he opened his eyes. And as soon as they knew they had been spotted, they ran. As the years ticked away from the first encounter, we have picked up EVPs of them speaking through our interior security system. They have squeaky little voices that love to taunt us and call us names. The taunts are very personal and meant to harass. During one of their obnoxious taunts, they called us pigs. So, my brilliant idea was to tell them that since they wanted to be so nasty, then I would squish them with my foot if I ever saw them. It's been over a year since I made the threat, but over the last three months, they have been seen visually by myself and my husband, peeking around doorways, running down the hallway. Again, I said to them, if they didn't behave, I would smush them, which now I know may have been a mistake on my part, because one night I couldn't go to sleep because of pain. So as I laid down on my back, my arms down to my side, suddenly something pinned me to the bed. It felt so heavy, and I couldn't move anything but my head and legs. I was trying to wake my husband up to help, but since he sleeps with earplugs, he couldn't hear my cries. I started kicking my legs, attempting to either kick him, or the violent motion of the bed would surely wake him up. After what seemed like an eternity... I managed to kick our cat off the bed, and she landed with a loud thud. Poor Mia. It wasn't the weight, it, but it was the weight of her hitting the floor. Yes, she's chubby. That finally woke him. When he started to turn over, the fairy loosened her grip, and I was able to free my hand enough to reach up and fill a tiny little head with loose curls. As my husband finished turning over, I was able to free the rest of my arm, then felt the very thin, small, childlike arm of the fairy. And that's when she released her grip on me and left. Needless to say, I had a few choice words for the fairy, 
and we haven't seen them since. Moral to the story, when you threaten to smush a fairy, be prepared for the outcome. She could not be more accurate with that. And I'm glad she noticed that because with me, with my attachment, that was the only time I was ever aggressive and inappropriate and provoking spirit. It's like a lesson, a life lesson that I remember to this day and will always remember. Don't provoke spirit. Don't threaten to squash fairies. Just don't do it. Because it's not worth it. Obviously, this got very from just like, you know, name calling and on their part, not on David and Kim's part, but on the Munchkins part, the wee ones, they're name calling, calling them these mean names. And, you know, you might see them around the corner peeking like a little child would. But as soon as she start, you know, saying that threat, maybe she was kidding, maybe she wasn't, but then it got physical. And, oh man, very creepy stuff. So very glad that you guys haven't seen them since. Maybe they went on their merry way, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Because it seems like they've been resident spirits there for quite some time. It's interesting because there's this EVP. It's seven seconds long. And Kim was awesome to share it with us. And she said, so she typed in, above is the munchkin recording. Quote, look at that pig. Look at that one. It's a big fat pig. So I'm going to play this a couple times so you guys can hear it. And sometimes those EVPs, you need to get those earphones in. And it's very interesting because, yeah, you could totally hear it. You could totally hear You have to listen. It's like that that like little high-pitched sound. Look at that pig. Look at that one. It's a big fat pig. So very, very not nice. I've been called names too, guys, so don't feel bad. I think all of us who've been dealing with this for so long, investigating and looking into this, you'd be called some of the funniest names. I've been called horror and just so many different things. But here this is again. So it almost sounds like it could be two of them communicating with each other, right? Like, look at that pig. And then the one in the middle, look at that one. And so, very interesting stuff. So, thank you for sharing that golden evidence, the almighty EVP. Thank you so much, Kim Liddy, for sharing your experience. And remember, her husband, David, you'll be hearing from him just in a short while. The next blood donor is Adrian Romero, a man of many talents. He's a teacher. He's an amazing musician as well, and even teaches people to play the guitar. He's also a man who just enjoys traveling to different countries, and oh, I cannot be more jealous. <laughs> so here is Adrian's haunting experience. Well, years ago, I had a weird experience, and I cannot really say much of what really happened, but I just know exactly, you know, what I went through one night. So I fell asleep on the couch, and my cat, Nausicaa, and she was about less than a year old, and as I fell asleep on the couch, Nausicaa, my cat, she loves to cuddle up. She, she's a, she's, I mean, she doesn't always like to cuddle up when you want to. 
pick her up. But when you're when, when it's time to sleep at night, she just loves to cuddle up. Now, as I was falling asleep, she jumped to the couch and I closed my eyes. And the moment I opened my eyes again, I looked down and I see this little girl at about four to six years old. She was blonde with green eyes, just the same eyes as now Sika's. Who is this kid here? How did she get here? And I open and I closed my eyes and I opened my eyes again, and it was Nelsika, all you know, just as a cat. And I couldn't really explain what happened. I know I wasn't. I just closed my eyes and I opened them, and I saw a person, you know, uh, laying on me, a little child. And then I, when I closed my eyes, and, and it was just weird. You know, so you close them, you see a little child. You you close them, you you know. You open your eyes, you close them, you see something else. And after that, I was just awake all night. I said, whoa, what, what just happened? Then after a moment, I went back to sleep. And I couldn't really ever, you know, explain what happened. I don't know if it was a dream or not, but I know I wasn't dreaming. But because I just closed my eyes and I opened my eyes and I saw a little kid laying on me. And that was it. It was like a very interesting experience. I don't know what happened. But it, some phenomenon occurred. But whatever it is, whatever message it is, that who knows what. But it's something interesting. So very intense stuff for sure. When I hear things like that, it makes me wonder, like, who was that little girl? You know, she obviously felt safe with Adrian and his kitty. And it seems maybe, I don't know, maybe she was just passing through because he only saw her that one time. I don't believe he's seen her since. I really would hope that this child who's between four and six is reunited with her family. Got to love those full-bodied apparitions. Thank you so much, Adrian, for sharing. Next up is the Wraith, Angie Velasquez. Now, she's been investigating the paranormal for several years. She's my tombstone buddy. We have gone two years in a row, already planning our third year. We actually just got back less than a week ago from our tombstone adventure, and boy, was it a phenomenal one. It never disappoints. It seems like every single time I go to Tombstone, I get not only EVPs and cold spots and what have you. Yes, cold spots in Arizona in the summer. And I know this year it wasn't summer, but still. But we also get tons of photographic evidence. So anyways, here is my girl Angie's experience. Okay, so I'm going to share a couple of creepy dreams that I had. I had them at the at a haunted bordello that I was staying at one night. And so the first dream was there was this old man wearing overalls, and he was coming down the stairs, and he looked kind of sickly, and he had like a baldish head with some little bit of hair on the top, just a little fuzz on the top of his head. But he didn't look like he was feeling well at all, and his wife was standing at the, the bottom of the stairway, and she kind of looked like Annie M. from Wizard of Oz. And anyway, she helped him into a room and got him to lay down. And he was, just kept rubbing his head, you know, just over and over. I woke up right after that, 
and I had a headache, and I never, hardly ever have headaches, so I just found that odd. And then immediately I fell back asleep, and I had another dream, and it was about this woman. She was on the ground in a room, and she, she, I think that she was pregnant in, in the dream, and there was a man who was beating her with a machete, and it was so... It was so vivid, and it may have even been in color. Anyway, he just kept hitting her, and he was so happy. He would just he just looked so very happy with what he was doing. And there was a man trying to pull him away, and he just he just kept beating this woman. Well, anyway, it was it was a pretty bad dream. And in the morning, the lady who was serving me breakfast was she. I told her about the dream. And she said that sometimes that's how spirits will communicate what happened with them in their life or how they how they died or, you know, something like that. So, anyway, I just thought that was creepy and just thought I would share. And that is creepy for sure. I mean, I remember when she told me about this and I was like, girl, you need to definitely put that for the Halloween episode. It almost seems like it could have been like a visitation dream. I don't know, but usually visitation dreams, in my experience, have been people who actually know you. But it could be that this woman felt like, okay, here's a kind, compassionate woman. I had a brutal ending to my life. I want to communicate with her. She's open to spirit. So maybe I'm going to share this horrible thing with her. And... Believe you me, it stayed with Angie. So a big thank you to Angie for sharing her creepy dream slash experience. Next on my list is the Phantom David Libby. Kim's other half. He too is a fantastic artist. They live in a haunted house where they get, as we know, EVPs, apparitions, sounds, photographic evidence. Never a dull moment in the Libby household, I must say. Here is David's eerie encounter. The day a ghost saved my life. It's been almost four years since I was involved in a terrible auto accident. On that day, I had a doctor's appointment and started out the door to drive to Kansas City. Earlier, I had used my heavy-duty truck jack to fix a flat tire and placed it in our truck behind the driver's seat. As I got back in the truck and turned on the ignition, I backed out of the driveway and heard a loud, stern voice say, David, don't go. I immediately hit the brakes and put the truck in park. It is not uncommon for me to hear the voices of spirits and occasionally see them, but this voice had a sense of urgency, almost like it was pleading. I turned the truck off and took a deep breath. I could feel the electricity in the air. Every hair on my body was standing on end. Suddenly, an image of the truck's jack filled my mind, and I had an overwhelming urge that I should take it out and put it in our car's trunk, where it was normally kept. I got out and removed the jack and placed it into the trunk of the car. Getting back in the truck, I headed off to my appointment. Little did I know that supernatural moment would help to save my life. 
Less than 10 minutes later, while merging onto I-70 towards Kansas City, my truck's back tires slid on the wet pavement. At 45 miles an hour, my truck went off the road and hit the embankment head-on, flipping over multiple times. As the truck came to rest, I was showered with broken glass. Stunned, I tried to regain my focus and assess my injuries. It was then that I had a terrible vision of our truck's heavy-duty jack tearing through the back of my head. I then realized the voice I heard was a warning of things to come, a life-saving voice from the other side. As the emergency vehicles arrived and they cut me out of the truck, the weight of what happened flowed through my tears. And even though I was hurt, I would look at my beautiful wife again. I would see another sunrise. Yeah, that's bone chilling. I, I get chills when I hear this. I mean, how incredible that this spirit warned David and saved his life. Can you imagine if he didn't put that jack away where it usually goes? Spirit is just so incredibly strong and at times comforting. You could have gotten killed. I mean, things could have went totally different, but you've got to go home see your beautiful wife, your sweet cats, and yeah, you're still enjoying those sunrises and sunsets, my friend. So I'm totally glad that spirit was on your side that day. Absolutely. And that's why you should not ignore spirit. You should not ignore it because you never know. Now, David also wrote something down for me to read. So here is my voice changer at work. This is a dream I had a few years back that was so vivid I wrote it down after I woke up, and you can read it if you can use it. This is my dream. I dreamt I was in an old abandoned church with a group of about 20 people who I believed were there to witness the supernatural. There was also two nuns and a priest. I felt everyone was there to watch what I was doing. The crowd was talking when the floor of the church started to flood with a thick mist about a foot off the ground. One of the nuns handed me an item that looked like a vacuum cleaner. She then told me to start vacuuming up the mist. I started to slowly walk while vacuuming. All the while, the crowd in silence watched my every move. The other nun stopped me and said, No, let the mist come to you. Concentrate. Feel its presence. I stopped, focused, and suddenly the mist started to come to me, and the crowd started to get excited. I started to speed up, walk again, showing off, and suddenly I could feel my body being touched, held while being dragged backwards across the church floor. It felt as if my body had electricity flowing through it. The crowd was applauding wildly, almost happily, that the proof of the other side was being proved right before their very eyes. My body started to move faster, and almost to the point it started to levitate. I started to feel as if I was losing control of my body. A little fear started to creep in. Suddenly, the priest spoke and said loudly, but in a calm voice, Stop! The energy pulling my body stopped and I listened to what he had to say. He said, Do not 
believe you can control the power for your own purposes to prove or not to prove. Instead, let your mind, body, and soul guide you, but slowly never rush. Don't anticipate or try to understand because you already know the truth. Follow these words and you'll be safe. After he spoke, I relaxed and cleared my mind. But the mist slowly came back towards the vacuum until it was all gone. I then realized I was standing in the abandoned old church by myself. Before I woke up, I felt a sense of peace and enlightenment, that I was on the right path, but remembering to be humble and not self-absorbed. I then woke up and I wrote this dream down. Now the stream occurred January 31st. 2018 at 2.10 a.m. Very phenomenal. It was so vivid. I mean, to me, that's very neat. And he said that this was the most active it had been in that house at that point when he got that dream. So it's always neat hearing these kind of things, too. Some people just kind of like, you know, blow them off as, oh, dreams. But when they're so real and just so intense and, and intoxicating, it's like, oh, wow. You know, so... Yet another amazing dream from another person. So thank you so much, David, for sharing. Next up is the werewolf. Casey Mara, my wee little sister. Okay. Casey is a teacher. She teaches children, usually from China, English online. So I think that's very cool. And when she used to live with me, I used to listen sometimes in the office and she was so happy and giddy and giggly and bright. And, you know, if I had to have a teacher, another teacher, it would be her. She's so cute. So anyway, she's also a world traveler and is out of the country right now. Lucky goose. And so, Casey actually has some spooky history to share with us. Here we go. So I have a story to tell, and please bear with me. My French is not so good, but there are a couple of French words in there. All right, so it was back in the earlier 1800s, and there was the fall of Napoleon. There were a lot of troops around, from Austrians to Russians and Prussians, and of course, French. So what happened was the Russians decided to break rank, and they wanted to kind of do their own thing. So they took off, and the troops, they went up the hill, and for a lot of you, if you know about Paris, then maybe you know the famous red windmill that's there today, and we will get to that. But what happened was the Russian troops came across these four brothers, and it gets really crazy. So basically they kill three of those four brothers. And then the last brother really wanted to protect his windmill just as the other brothers had really tried. And he was so angry about his brothers now being dead that he ended up killing the Russian commander. Yikes. It's just so crazy. There's a lot happening. And then so the rest of the troops were just livid, absolutely angry. And they 
got their revenge on that last poor brother. So what they did is they killed the last brother. And you know how windmills have four sails. So it's like a cross or an X. If you look at a windmill, then you'll see. And so they cut up the brother into four sections. And they placed each of his sections onto the windmill. And then I'm sure it was swinging around for everybody to see what had happened. And the last brother's wife had to take down these pieces in the middle of the night. So poor thing, just imagine that, having to deal with that. And yeah, R.I.P. brothers, uh, the Dobre brothers, because that is who they were. They were the Dobre brothers. And so it's just a terrible situation that they had endured just trying to protect their family's windmill. And so today, there is something known as the Moulin Rouge, and this has existed since the later part of the 1800s. It took a good part, almost a century, actually, less than a century, but at least 80 years for the Moulin Rouge to open. But that is in regards to the brothers. It is a red windmill, and what happened was when the brothers had died, their mother had placed... A red windmill over their grave, and that is in the cemetery in Montmartre. So you, if you happen to find yourself in Paris, around that hill, and near the Moulin Rouge, then you can actually go, and you can see the red windmill is still there to this day. And then you know the story about what happened back in history, and... It's a very interesting story, so I wanted to share that with all of you, and I hope you enjoyed it, and RIP to the Dobre brothers, seriously, because that's just so sad. But anyways, I hope you enjoyed it, and... Have a spooky Halloween, everybody! Yeah, like, how wild is that? So bizarre. Those poor brothers were truly just trying to protect what was theirs, and they lost their lives for it. Casey's right, if you guys are in Paris and you're in that area, go and pay your respects to those gentlemen who died so long ago. I would love to see that red windmill, and yeah, truly, rest in peace, gentlemen. Sorry that happened to you. And thank you, Casey, for sharing. Up next is the phantomly specter that is Joey Bravo who's a paranormal investigator and a tour guide in Bisbee, Arizona, Haunted Bisbee. He will be on a future full episode, so you'll hear much more from him later on. Here is Joey's encounter. Hi, this is Joey Bravo. I'm a tour guide with HauntedBisbee.com. I have a very interesting and very provable, in my opinion, ghost experience that changed the way I looked at the paranormal since the time it happened. When I was 17 years old, I had just quit my job at Borders. That tells you how long ago it was. At the new job, I had to move boxes around the warehouse. Very menial work, but I had a menial education at 17. The people working there, these two lovely ladies, informed me that everyone had quit prior because of the ghost. 
Now, I believed in goats, but I never really experienced something in a way that I considered profoundly negative. So I did a tour of the building. I talked with them. We talked about this and that. And they paused for a bit at the end and asked if I had felt the ghost. I said no. And that I was going to go in the work and I wasn't going to be frightened. Well, on my first day of work, I showed up and they said, you're going upstairs. Upstairs. I had no idea there was upstairs. So I made my way up there all alone. And I opened the door top of the stairs and there was nothing just blackness and I fumbled for a light switch and I couldn't find one using my Nokia flip phone I found that the dangling uh, chain for the light was in the center of the room so I more or less felt my way to it and hit the light I was in the city storage warehouse that had all these blueprints and plans for banks and city halls and part of me wondered, I wonder if these would be any use on the black market. On the, off in the distance was like a cage made of like chain link fence. And there was an old janitor's mop there and a radio that played songs from the Ink Spots and other songs of that era. Very fallout, very creepy, and I never saw the janitor out of station. As I began to work there, I began to hear footsteps behind me. They mimicked my own. And I thought it was an acoustic thing, because when I would stop, I'd still hear myself walking behind me. It was very disturbing. Then I would feel something touch my shoulder or grab my arm. Occasionally, I'd feel something right behind me at the nape of my neck, just standing there. And no matter how fast I moved, no matter what I did, it would not leave me alone. I'd had very few panic attacks in my life, but I started to get them there. I was unable to do my work, and pretty soon I was calling the little ladies to come down to help me in the wear shop because, oh, I didn't know where something was, or I didn't know where this went, or, oh, is this the right room? Just any excuse to get another human being in that office. I eventually quit. Yes, I quit because of the ghost. I went on to do a more lucrative job at Long's Drugs. It wasn't until about 10 years ago when I spoke to my best friend, Bob, who used to work in that area in the 1970s. It turned out some lunatic in the early 70s had gone to that building. Yes, that building. Which used to be a movie theater, tied up the projectionist on the top floor and three other people, and with no one to help them, tortured and murdered them over the evening. I'm only laughing because, well... It seems unbelievable that there would be an unsolved murder of four people in the very spot where I felt unwelcome. It turned out they had caught the guy. He has a name, a gravestone, and everything. But nobody believed that he did it. In fact, a friend of mine knew the arresting officer, and the arresting officer had claimed that they just grabbed somebody off the street. Whoever had done this is still out there, possibly today, 40 50 years later. And ever since then, I felt compelled to learn the history of buildings and places I go to and whenever I get a feeling. And that's what led me to Bisbee and to start the Haunted Bisbee Ghost Tours. And I'm proud to say that we're doing a pretty damn good job. Wow. Yeah, that is pretty wild, Joey. So I ran into Joey when I was in Bisbee 
you know, every year we get a tombstone and we went to Bisbee for part of the day and I won't get into my Bisbee trip, but I do want to say that Joey was so sweet and kind and I really wish we could have stayed to take his tour as he generously offered for us to do that. And, but I think that's neat. Like he was saying, he goes in and it's like a treasure cove of just old records and different things from years past. And I'm always interested in those kind of things, like just digging into all that stuff. So that might have, that must have been the kind of a neat place to work at. But at the same time, you're like hearing your own footsteps following behind you. And so that must have been pretty creepy. And that's pretty wild and terrifying that later on he found out that a quadruple murder and torturing took place in that area, in that building when it was a movie theater. Like, when he was explaining that, I was getting total chills. So there's been a few times today during Halloween, during hearing these experiences, encounters, and history that I've gotten some major chills. So... Thank you, Joey Bravo. And again, he will be on in some other future episode. And I'm going to end this with sharing a part of our most recent investigation at Watton's Harbell Mortuary, which, by the way, shut down several months back, but recently reopened by a very sweet family who took us in. And I'm proud to call friends now, uh, part of my Tombstone family. So go check them out sometime. They have an espresso bar there now, which is really cool. They have like energy drinks and cool espresso bar with cool names like the Embalmer and the Undertakers and the Witching Hour. And it's just like, come on, how badass can that get? Really? Right. So go in there, see my girls, hang out with them for a while. Tell them Tessa sent you. Angie, who you heard from earlier, had brought these dowsing rods. And you know, being a paranormal investigator, I've had my hands on quite a bunch of tools before, the ovulus, the spirit box, you know, several different types of EMF meters and recorders and just different things like that, right? So I'm sure all of us have. And so dowsing rods is one that I've actually never used before, but I've always been curious about. So we were there in the mortuary and we were communicating with spirit and we had said, okay, if we're going to ask you questions, yes, no questions. Right. And we're also recording. I need to still see if we got EVPs, but I'm, I'm holding these and I've seen other people use them in the group and I'm just like, okay, you know, you know, if it's a yes, please go to X, like cross each other and, you know, form the X. So, and for no, just go away like a V. I was just kind of standing there. Also, I said, like, are you a man? If you're a man, do this. If you're a woman, do this. And it, it showed that it was a woman. And it took a while, but we were able to find out what her name was. It was Nancy. And yes, we had to do it. Is Does your name start with this, 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 this? And then, oh, okay, it's this. Is this name? You know? And so Nina, you know, is saying a bunch of names. So yes, Nancy. She was a soiled dove which was not uncommon back then in the old wild west back in the 1800s. Women made a killing doing that, sometimes up to $25 a night, if not more, much more than miners and other people. She was in her teens, between 15 and 18. 
she was murdered. And when we asked her if she knew who her murderer was, she said yes. And then I asked her, was it your, were you married? She said no. Okay. Was it your boyfriend? Yes. And so very interesting stuff. He was a jealous man. He murdered her. And poor thing, you know, she's a teenager and a prostitute. So we got a lot of results that night, including photographic evidence. It seems like every single time we go there, we get photographic evidence. That's where we got, that's where I got my famous noose picture, that red noose with the blue figure. So I'm going to have to do another episode, a full, you know, return to Watton's Harbell Mortuary, but that's for another time. And again, if I get EVPs, which I know I will, I'll share them with you guys. So the biggest, most amazing shout out to my goblins for taking time and sharing incredible encounters and history and locations today. On the most amazing days. Adrian Romero, Kevin Paul, Casey Morrow, Joanne Austin, David Libby, Kim Libby, Joey Bravo, Angie Velasquez. Thank you so very much, you guys. I hope you all have a spectacular Halloween. <laughs> Did you enjoy this week's episode? <laughs> I'm going to take that as a yes. Listen to the others, you guys. They are equally phenomenal. I haven't heard every single one yet. No need to howl up a storm, my friend. Seriously, you can binge listen right now. Hit up any of those haunted amazingly beautiful podcast platforms such as Owltel, Deezer, Player FM, Apple Podcasts, wherever you may roam <laughs> to hear your other spine-tingling podcast, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcast lurking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to Bay Lake, Florida, South Hill, Virginia, Indio, California, Melville, Minnesota, and Piraeus, Greece. Phantom Lane, ghoulish creatures. Each of you, it's appreciated. Check out the newest episode released every single Monday. Haven't missed a week yet, baby. Have something spooky to share? Throw me an email at paraprowl at gmail.com. Be safe tonight, have fun, whether it's watching a scary movie marathon, handing candy out, throwing some tricks and treats this way, investigating somewhere awesome, or you're a kid trick-or-treating yourself. Have fun, be safe, and we will see you next week.